explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent island, you got here. Walk in paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Hello and welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. This is our fourth or fifth, I'm already starting to lose track, uh, edition of, of this show, this podcast that we started right before the, the 2022 college football season started. I'm Patrick Murphy. We're going to talk some Buckeyes today. We got a big one on tap on Saturday with the Badgers coming to town. First game of the Big Ten season. Today, uh, I won't be by myself. Evan Flood from Badgers 247 is going to join us here shortly. He'll jump in. Um, he just made it into Columbus and is getting settled. So as soon as he gets on, we'll, we'll jump him into the happy hour here. Uh, we may be joined with a couple other local friends that, uh, that I've got to talk some, uh, talk some Buckeyes this, this afternoon. So recording this on Friday afternoon, it's a little early for a happy hour. It's, it's about one 30 Eastern time as we're recording this, but, uh, Evan needed to do this once he got into town. So, so this was kind of the plan. I've got uh, a Bell's Too Hard here that I'm going to sip on. If you uh, are able and willing, feel free to grab a beverage of your choice. And, and if you have one that you like, let us know in the comments section. Um, usually I do it at my Paramount Plus glass because uh, that's a CBS affiliate, but that was dirty today. So I went full Harry Potter mode. And uh, this says you're a wizard, Harry. I actually got this glass in England. So uh, pretty exciting there. But anyway. Buckeye football. We, we've got a big one, as I mentioned. Ohio State, Wisconsin. First game of the Big Ten season for both of these teams. Ohio State comes in 3-0, ready to go. You know, Say what you will about the non-conference opponents. Obviously, Notre Dame didn't turn out to be 
as formidable as I think most people expected, but you're three and zero, and there's a lot of teams in the country that would love to be three and zero instead of two and one, one and two, zero and three. So you know the Buckeyes have plenty to improve on, but they are also where they want to be this uh, so far this year. Wisconsin is one of those teams that would much rather be three and zero than two and one. They lost to Washington State in Week Two in what was uh, kind of a debacle of a game. I rewatched it this past week. Not impressive by either team. I mean, I guess you give Washington State credit going into to Madison and coming out with a victory. It's never an easy place to play for the opponent, but just just not a pretty game at all. Um, you know, Wisconsin fumbles late that gives Washington State the chance to to seal the game. And, uh, you know, it, it takes it, it, it takes that to get a win in Wisconsin. Obviously, the Badgers are coming to Columbus this week. They are uh, they are significant underdogs. I wrote something on our betting the Buckeyes piece today about, uh, you know, if you would take the Badgers 19 point underdogs or the Buckeyes 19 point favorites, obviously. Our uh, our piece on our roundtable piece on with the predictions will come out later. I'm actually I was surprised by this. I actually turned or was surprised that I to to learn that I was taking the Buckeyes to cover. I usually don't end up doing that just because of of the way things work out. Uh, more on that later when when that comes out. But I think Ohio State is is the pretty solid favorite in this game. Um, I like. The Buckeyes handle business. I do think that Wisconsin's run game will be very interesting for how the Buckeyes handle it for, for two reasons. First, Wisconsin's going to come in and they're going to try and run clock. They're going to do what Notre Dame did, limit Ohio State's possessions, limit what the Buckeyes can do offensively. That will take that will make it easier on this Wisconsin defense, which has been pretty good so far this year. Granted, not against the best opponents in the country, but still a good defense. Jim Leonard always does a great job with, with his group. And, you know, we expect nothing less from, from this team as they continue to progress. And when they come into Ohio stadium, I also think that be part of it, you know, you, you limit those possessions, but also that that run game and how it challenges Jim Knowles' Buckeye defense. How do you stop this power run, this eye formation, multiple tight ends, those type of things? If you look at Jim Knowles, and we've talked about this in the past, look at what Jim Knowles has done before, at least at Oklahoma State, it was a lot of defending the spread in this 4-2-5 system with, with a lot of defensive backs on the field. You don't need as many defensive backs against Wisconsin. Does Jim Knowles go to three linebackers? He's talked about it. They've, they've talked about the fact that they have those packages in place if they need them. Will they use them? I think it will be a, uh, I think it will be an interesting, you know, way to, to kind of evaluate Jim Knowles this week based on, you know, just, just looking at something different and, and how, um, you know, just, just how he handles that type of, of attack as opposed to even Notre Dame, which was a run team, uh, Toledo did a lot of running, but it was out of very different looks, right? It was the spread. It was out of shotgun, it, you know, whatnot. Now I will say that I think it's going to be interesting to see because Ohio state last week showed off some, some under center, some eye formation type of looks that, you know, I don't think I certainly didn't expect. We've seen a little bit of that from the Buckeyes, but not much, you know, as you saw a fullback dive for a touchdown, which we haven't seen since, 
Jim Tressel, at least, I mean, I, I have to go back and really look to see the last time they actually ran a fullback dive for a touchdown, but I have to imagine it happened at some point during the Tressel reign. But you saw a lot, a lot, relatively a lot of that last week from the Buckeyes. So maybe this this Ohio State team has practiced against more I formation than than we expect. But I do think the run game will be very interesting in terms of both how it runs the clock and limits what Ohio State's offense can do. And then on the flip side, um, you know, just just how you defend it if you're the Buckeyes. It's it's going to be very interesting. Um, you know, Jim Knowles said this week. He doesn't think that you necessarily need to do anything different. What you need to do is confuse that offensive line, confuse the quarterback, confuse the running back, those type of, uh, you know, the, the the same thing they've done in, in the first three games with this defense so that they don't know where the pressure is coming from. They don't know necessarily, they being Wisconsin's offense, obviously, where everything is coming from. So it's going to be a different look, and I think it's going to be a different challenge. And I also think that Jim Knowles' ability to adjust in-game is going to be tested in this too, because like I said, this isn't something he's used to. This isn't something he's seen a ton. Um, you you did see some of that last week in the uh, first half. Daquan Finn, the quarterback for Toledo, was running all over the place. I mean, his ability to scramble and, and make big plays downfield with his arm and pick up a you know big gains for for a touchdown, things like that. Uh, you know that was a problem for the Buckeyes. Second half. Not so much now. Obviously, Toledo was was down a good amount at that point. The you know eventually Finn came out of the game, but I did like the fact that that Knowles and this Buckeye defense was able to make adjustments against something that they weren't entirely prepared for. They didn't know Finn could run. I don't think they were aware of how good of a runner he could be. Cheers, gonna grab some beer here. Um, so, you know, I think this, while it will be a different challenge and a different, you know, kind of approach to how you handle a, a Wisconsin offense. Um, you know, I think, I think it's a similar way of, of adjusting and being ready for, um, you know, a team, you, you come in with one approach, maybe you come in thinking, Hey, we can handle this with, with our two linebackers and maybe, uh, a Lathan Ransom at safety, who's a more physical guy, or Josh Proctor is going to be in the box more. Uh, if that doesn't work and, and Wisconsin's moving the ball and, and Braylon Allen, the running back, is, is picking up chunk yardage, you've got to make adjustments. That's got to happen probably before halftime, frankly. If you allow Wisconsin to really stay in the game, limit Ohio State's offensive possessions, things like that, that could be certainly problematic for, for the Buckeyes. And, and if you let it go to halftime, you know, you're, you're playing with a little bit of fire there. Not to say that the Buckeyes can't handle that. And, and actually, that brings me to another point that I want to make about this game. The spread, as I mentioned, 19 points. I, I, I'm predicting that Ohio State covers that. But if you look back at, at the series between these two teams, it hasn't been maybe as lopsided as, as some people think. Um, you know, I mean, you, you can remember the Big Ten championship game where Ohio State won big. In, in 2014, there have been a couple instances of, of the Buckeyes up big, but for the most part, these games have been fairly close, and, and Jim Leonard has done a pretty good job of handling the Buckeyes' offense, which, as you all know, one of the most explosive in the country. But um, we're going to bring in Evan Flood here. He just jumped on to, to talk about the Badgers a little bit, get a little more insight in here. Give us just a second to bring Evan on here. Evan, you there? Uh, 
Hey, man. You're good. We can hear you. All right, you got me? Yeah, I got you. Oh, I can't hear you. I can't. Pardon us for the live broadcast technicalities. Can you hear me? I think I can hear you now. You got it? Yep, gotcha. Sorry about that. Awesome. No problem. Appreciate you jumping on. No problem. Um, Again, Evan Flood from our Wisconsin site, Badgers247. Evan, I was just talking about uh, this, just kind of the matchup here between Wisconsin's offense, Ohio State's defense. Um, you know, obviously the, the physical nature of Wisconsin's offense that has kind of been in place for, for years now and how the Buckeyes handle it. Different running back, different quarterback. Tell us a little bit about what this offense is, uh, this, this specific version of the offense. Yeah, I think it'll be a little different than maybe what most Big Ten opponents are accustomed to. You know, right now Wisconsin's passing for 260 yards per game, which small sample size, I, I know, but you know, that would easily be a school record. You know, the best mark was 234 in, in 2011, and that's when Russell Wilson was here. So for three games, first-year offensive coordinator Bobby Ingram's, you know, really tried to balance things out. You know, Wisconsin's actually – they're passing games, outgaining the running game. They haven't done that since 2015, and, you know, they're really only able to do that because they're starting tailback Corey Clement, only played four games, so they're really shorthanded uh, there. So, so I think Wisconsin's done a good job of – Maybe not so being so dependent on using the run to open up the pass, but going the other way around and, and being able to soften up defenses first by taking some shots downfield and, and then trying to get to Braylon Allen, Chesma Lucy, and, and ride that uh, massive offensive line they have. So, you know, they're not going to lose their identity. It's still going to be smash mouth football. They're, you know, if they can get the ball to Braylon Allen 30, 40 times a game and, and he's, st- he's going consistently, that's what they'll do. But I think this offense based on what we've seen since spring and, and carried on through fall, does have more weapons on the perimeter uh, than, you know, what most of Big Ten teams really think of, of Wisconsin. You know, they're about five deep at wide receiver. They'll, they'll, they have four guys for sure that can go out and make a play for them on, on any given third and long. Uh, so, like I said, the identity is still there, uh, but, but I think they are trying to go in a different direction and not be so – uh, relying on that run game and it helps that Graham Mertz has played, you know, very consistent through three games as well and starting to earn the trust of, of that um, of Paul Chris and Bobby Ingram as well. I wanted to talk about Mertz a little bit because I think if I looked at it right, he's the highest rated quarterback commit to ever commit to the Badgers. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, and well, in the 24 sevens composite era, it goes back to 2000. I mean, I don't, I don't know before that, but yes, from what we have. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. Yeah. So, what what makes what has he done to to change this offense? And, I, and obviously he's in year three, so so he's matured as a quarterback. But what has he done that that has, as you said, kind of earned the trust of these coaches and and allowed them to be a bit more different? As you as you kind of explained there. Well, for him, he, he said it started in the off season, and you know, he talked this week. You know, you can run routes on air, you know, till you're blue in the face, till you right. guys are puking, but. You know, if you don't have the trust of your teammates and the coaches and, you know, have the bond with them off the field, it's not going to come together on game day. And, you know, that's an analytic that, you know, you or not. It's not an analytic or a stat, you know, but but it's arguably the most important part is the chemistry you have, 
with, with your receivers and, and your backs to, to some extent when you're throwing to them as well. So, you know, he started, he, he took one of his receivers home with him at spring break to Kansas, you know, and they worked out together. He's been doing that for a while and, and getting to know these guys off the field, which I, I think has helped because it is a, a completely new group of receivers for the most part, with the exception of Shimmery DK, who uh, played quite a bit last year as a sophomore. It's really a bunch of new guys that Wisconsin's thrown in there. And, and so far it's looked as good as any Wisconsin passing game. Like I said, since, since 2011, um, you know, we'll know a lot more on Saturday because they're going to be tested in a way they haven't, but yeah, I think it started in the off season. And then you, you started to see it in fall camp, just his decision-making what was so much better. You know, he was a guy that um, I think adversity got to him really early in his career. He got sacked, especially early in a game or, or made a bad decision with the football, he almost didn't recover. And it, it went into the next series and the next, and that offense really suffered because of it. And you're starting to see him be able to make plays on third down. Wisconsin was dreadful on third down last season. I know they lost the game to Washington State. You know, that was due to 11 penalties, three turnovers. But but he was outstanding and, and bailed that offense out time and time again on, on third and long with, with some big plays to give Wisconsin – uh, a chance to, to overcome all those mistakes. Um, and, and then, like I said, he's, he's cutting way down on his own mistakes, not putting the football in jeopardy, getting the ball out quick. I think pro football focus has him at, you know, getting rid of the football 2.5 seconds, which for a pro style offense, you know, when you're dropping back five steps and waiting for things to develop, that, that's a pretty good number uh, to have. Um, so I think I, I would say the biggest thing though, is just cutting down on the mistakes, managing the game, um, and kind of not he, – he was thought to be the guy that was kind of standing in the way of Wisconsin's offense, you know, taking that team to what, you know, we believed on paper to be good and, and kind of stopping it from maybe being very, very good, if not great. And uh, I think, you know, he, he's been the opposite of that. He's definitely elevated uh, this offense in, in a lot of ways and, and largely just goes to not putting the football in jeopardy you know, making smart plays on third down, getting Wisconsin lined up right at the line of scrimmage, making those checks uh, when he needs to make them and, and be more of a game manager rather than necessarily uh, trying to always make the big play and then do something special for the game. Take uh, take what's there, um, ride Braylon Allen, and, and, you know, on third down when you need to do something, let it rip. You mentioned Braylon Allen there right there at the end. Um, you know, Wisconsin – Great running backs throughout. I mean, since as far back as I can remember, at least. How do you rate him in in kind of the the pantheon of those guys, and and maybe what stands out about him that's a little bit different than some of the guys that, that Buckeye fans may know? Yeah, you know, my eyes tell me he's not Melvin Gordon, John Taylor, Ron Dane. I think on paper, when all said and done, he he's going to be in that group. And and part of the reason it's hard to tell is because. He didn't necessarily – when he signed with Wisconsin, he signed as a safety. He played running back in high school, but they didn't move him over till the summer uh, before his freshman year, which, you know, wasn't supposed to be till this year, actually. He was a 2022 recruit and reclassified up. So it, he is put together as he is physically, and you say, okay, well, he's kind of already reached his ceiling. He puts up insane numbers in the weight room. I mean, he competes with a lot of Wisconsin's linemen and beats most of them. And, and, you know, sort of the, you know, uh, big heavy lifts. Um, I mean, he's just a freak athlete, uh, but you, you also got to consider that he's somewhat new to the running back position. Last season, he was just kind of going through the motions. Didn't even know the offense. He didn't enroll early. He played his high, 
because of COVID, they played their high school season in the spring. So you got right to Wisconsin and, you know, kind of got a, a late start there. Didn't really have uh, time to, to learn the offense. Didn't even start until I, I think it was, you know, week nine or 10 after Ches Malusi went down against Rutgers. So, so there was a lot on his plate last year. And you got to take that into consideration. And, and two, in terms of, you know, what's his upside uh, really when, when he starts to learn the ins and outs of the running back position and now he's focusing on it. Uh, full time. So I, I don't think he's where, you know, the top three would be, but, but I think he's definitely, if he's in that second category, you know, I'd probably put him ahead of a, a guy like Monty ball, James white, ju- just in terms of talent for sure. Flipping to the other side of the ball, you know, statistically this, this batter's defense ranks really well. Jim Leonard obviously has done a great job his, his whole time there. You know, the, like Ohio State, the opponents are are kind of what they are, and, and you kind of have to judge beyond that, right? So what do you see from this defense, and kind of how do you match it up with, with what we know from Ohio State's offense? Yeah, you know, we're still kind of learning about them. They lost eight starters, nine if you include a guy that left the cornerback position and, and is now a, a wide receiver. So, you know, so far it's been pretty much business as usual. I would say the biggest drop has kind of been sort of the sudden change situations. Wisconsin was so good, you know, when the offense would turn the ball over, go for it on fourth and, and not get it, or, you know, big special teams play. You know, defense was so good at, at kind of getting the ball right back and getting a three and out and not letting those moments. Um, you know, really uh, affect the team. You know, this year when, when some of that stuff has happened, uh, it's resulted. I mean, Washington State basically got all their points off Wisconsin mistakes, and you know, you don't necessarily point the finger at, at the defense um, who got thrown into some bad situations. But but normally that's kind of been their mo is to rise to the occasion uh, on those situations and, and get the ball back. You know, with with limited damage. Uh, so, so we're still learning about this group. Um, haven't faced an overly difficult schedule yet. Um, almost a brand new secondary with the exception of, of John Torchio, the uh, senior safety. They lost their um, other starting safety, Hunter Wohler, who's considered kind of one of the bright young stars. He, he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Batters may not even get him back till uh, the bowl game, if that. Uh, a lot of transfer corners, you know, and, and Wisconsin's going to be without arguably their best cornerback on Saturday as well, Alexander Smith, who hasn't played. Uh, they just got Justin Clark, the Toledo transfer, in the game uh, for the first time last week. The UCLA transfer, Jay Shaw's, you know, been solid, um, you know, but but I wouldn't say he's necessarily a, a guy you you feel great about going up against those Ohio State wide receivers. I think that's the most difficult matchup for for Wisconsin. Um, as much as, you know, as good as CJ Stroud is, you know, Wisconsin kind of struggled, especially with Ohio state quarterbacks is when things break down, uh, those guys get outside the pocket. I know Stroud does that, but doesn't necessarily take off as much right. in the run as the rest of, you know, typical Ohio state quarterbacks and Wisconsin's, you know, really struggled, especially their linebackers to kind of, um, uh, tackle those guys in, in space, um, and, you know, and keep them. Uh, corralled. So I think, you know, the, the, the toughest thing Wisconsin's going to have to overcome is just the talent Ohio State has at the wide receiver position. And this is a secondary that still hasn't played a lot of football together. Um, you know, like I said, it's it's three transfer uh, corners in there and, and a senior safety that, you know, only started a handful of games. So they're, they're still getting used to each other, too. And you're going to be in an environment in Ohio State where you're not going to be able to communicate verbally. You're going to have to go out there and know what you're doing. 
um, you know, against an Ohio State receiving core that's you know always one snap away from from breaking the game open. So I think that's you know probably the matchup to watch on that end. For those watching live, again, we're here with Evan Flood from our Wisconsin site, Badgers 247. If you have any questions you want to throw in the comment section here for, for Evan about Wisconsin, feel free. And, and we've got one. I was going to touch on it here. Does Wisconsin have any wide receivers that can take the top off the defense, keep Ohio State's safeties honest? You, you mentioned the, the kind of weapons before other than Braylon Allen. But, yeah, take us through what, what Graham Mertz has to work with. Yeah, they got a little bit of everything, which is why I, I've liked this receiving core going back to, to spring and why I didn't think they would fall off as much when they lost Danny Davis and uh, Kendrick Pryor, a pair of four-year starters who are now both you know fighting for spots in, in, in the NFL. Um, big play guys, uh, Wisconsin's best threat is Keontes Lewis, the UCLA transfer, and he got loose against Washington State for a – I believe it was a 40-yard gain late in the second quarter that helped Wisconsin take the lead in that one. Um, he, he's their guy that they look to get over the top. You know, the other guys have speed, but but he's kind of a, a blend of size and speed type guy. 6'3", um, can, can make it look effortless. I haven't seen him against a secondary like Ohio State. It's going to be much <laughs> bigger and more athletic. I don't know if Wisconsin has a guy that can do that to Ohio State, but, you know, he, he he's the guy that they look to – uh, to, to make something happen downfield. But, um, you know, they'll, they'll take their shots with a variety of guys. But, but you know, in terms of who the biggest threat is to, to just take the top off and, and get behind the secondary, that's Lewis for sure. And you mentioned uh, injuries. So I think this question's relevant. Injury situation in Wisconsin's secondary. Yakov asks about that. What, what What's the latest there? And, and, and just the injury situation in general, what do we know? Yeah, so we know Wisconsin won't have Alexander Smith. He's arguably the best corner, but they haven't had him all season. Uh, they did get Justin Clark, a senior corner, seventh-year senior back. Uh, you probably see him mostly in the slot. And then uh, we already know Hunter Waller is not going to play as well. He's their sophomore safety, played 13 games as a true freshman. I'm sure he's a guy Ohio State fans remember. They, they recruited him and yeah. went, after, went after him. Uh, he decided to stay in state. So, um they're not healthy, but they've basically as healthy as they've been a little healthier than they've been most of the season. Now that Clark's back. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, Ohio state's dealing with health questions. seems like everybody yeah. early in the season somehow is, is dealing with health questions. You've uh, you've been around this, this big 10 for a while. You, you mentioned earlier that it's, you're not gonna be able to communicate on defense. How do you kind of rate Ohio stadium coming in there? Obviously, Wisconsin has one of the best home field environments at, at Camp Randall. But from an outside perspective, how do you rate what, what you've seen from Ohio Stadium and, and kind of the atmosphere there? Yeah, yeah, I've only been there once, and that was 2019 was my first time. Uh, so I believe it was 11 a.m. kick. Yeah, yeah, that was an so I haven't seen it under the lights. I've seen Michigan Stadium under the lights, Iowa a lot, obviously. Um in terms of just madness and trying to get around, uh, I, I would say, you know, just people on the streets and trying to navigate. Ohio State is the top of my list. Now, I'm interested to see a night game atmosphere. Um, but I also love the the Ohio chant. That gets stuck. That'll be stuck in my head for a week. Not the OHIO, the, the song. Oh, Ohio. Okay. Oh, God, I love that. So I love hearing that at the Big Ten championship game, and that, that, that'll stick in my head for a week. Uh, so, yeah, so I haven't seen a 
a great atmosphere. I, I think Wisconsin was ranked. Yeah, Wisconsin was ranked. They had just lost yeah. to Illinois. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't it was supposed to be a top ten battle. It kind of took some of the luster off of it. But yeah, I mean, in terms of just trying to get to the stadium and, you know, sort of all the people around, um, you know, that and sort of kind of the madness factor. Ohio State, you know, kind of ranks at the, the top of my list. But I'm interested to see under the lights, you know, that that atmosphere for sure in, in you know, primetime game. Yeah, get down there early is what I would say. Yeah, I learned that lesson last. I'll be <laughs> I'll be leaving plenty early this time. Camp Randall, very high on my list. I, I went there as a fan when I was in school, um, and, and covering games there has been great. I love I, I love that. I love Madison. Um, another question from from one of our live viewers from uh, David. Offensive line, where does that rank for Wisconsin in comparison to the last couple of years? Obviously, that's crucial for what the Badgers do up front. Yeah, that one's tough to say too. I think they're better than they were a year ago. Is is this the elite Wisconsin offensive line? No, uh, I think they're probably still a year away. That they've got quite a bit of youth. Um, they're going to be without their starting right tackle, Riley Malman. But I, I don't know how big of a loss that is. He's a redshirt freshman. He's only got one start under his belt, uh, so they're going to have some more experienced guys on, on that side. And you know they're. they're Still kind of tweaking the right side as well. Some things went wrong in the New Mexico State game that has seemed to have offensive line coach Bob Bostead a little frustrated. So he's making some moves. Uh, you know, the center Joe Titman's probably a pro. Um, could leave, could leave early this year. I think you know left tackle Jack Nelson is another bona fide pro. So they they got two guys that could leave early for the NFL and a couple journeymen seniors who have played. Um, quite a bit of football um it's probably better than the last two years but but i i wouldn't say you know it's one of those just dominating gonna bury you for for 60 minutes and, and wear you down uh type of offensive lines uh, not one of the elite ones uh that, that maybe this program's accustomed to having uh, i will say the pass blocking has taken a, a drastic step forward i think pro football focus has them right now is the number one pass blocking uh, offensive line in the country. I don't, I don't know everything that goes into that because, sure. you know, Wisconsin's allowed more sacks th than other teams. Uh, but um, from what we've seen from, from the starters, they've done a great job protecting Graham Mertz. It's actually surprisingly been the run game that, that hasn't kind of been up to par uh, from the offensive line thus far. When, when you look at this team from kind of a big picture standpoint, what did you think was the ceiling going into the season? And I know we're only three games in, but but kind of where do you see this team based on your expectations from, from the start? Yeah, I think they're right about what I thought. I mean, obviously I didn't expect them to lose to Washington State. I don't think anybody did. Um, and, you know, you say, well, you look at what happened on paper and, you know, it looks like they won by 14. You know, it was a lot of mistakes. and But at the same time, you know, you can't do that and expect to even win the Big, West, Big Ten West and, and play like that. Uh, so they're maybe not as clean, you know, I think last week they, they cleaned it up a little bit, but, you know, they were, you know, top 10 and penalties committed through the first two weeks or, or something like that. So you think of Wisconsin, you think of teams that don't beat themselves, right. you know, that, that was a little surprising. I think that, you know, with the passing game being a little further ahead than, than I anticipated, you know, I still think they're a sneaky contender to win the big 10. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say they're, one of the best three teams in the big 10 right now, but, but I think, you know, do they have the talent on paper to get it done? Yeah. Uh, once that defense, 
works in these these first year uh, first time starters um, and new faces, um, and they've already shown you know it's pretty much going to be business as usual on that side of the football. Um, you know, they, they can't replace some guys that they had just like Leo Chanel, Jack Sanborn, you know, linebackers like that. Uh, but, but they have another, what I think is probably a top 10, top 15 group nationally. That'll keep them in, in a lot of games. So, you know, if that offensive balance continues, like it's been going, yeah, I think they're a, you know, potential dark horse to, to steal a game in, in, in Indianapolis. Um, you know, right now, you know, it's gotta be more worried about the big 10 West, uh, than that. And, you know, obviously this is kind of a se- potential season salvaging game here in Ohio state, if you can steal that one uh, on the road, but you know, I, I, I like Minnesota too, in the big 10 West, I think they've looked really good. And I think on paper that they're, they're probably deeper than Wisconsin at, at most positions. Uh, so that won't be an easy one. Um, but, but yeah, you know, I think they're right where I thought they were one or two in the big 10 West and then get to Indianapolis and that passing game continues to, you know, start making teams pay for how they're going to defend Wisconsin, which is stack the box and say, hope your perimeter athletes can beat us because we're not letting Braylon Allen beat you. Um, you know, if they're able to do that, yeah, I think they're, they're still a sneaky contender despite that Washington state loss. And I know it's always tough to, to give this answer because I get asked a lot, but like, how do you, how do you see this game playing out? Be, I, because of the balance, I, I think Wisconsin may, I would. I think. I don't think they're going to win. I think they're going to cover. If, you, if you're if you're a gambler, I, I would say it was at 19 now. Yeah, that's what I, I'm I, I think. You know, probably Wisconsin, like they've done in the past. I mean, even that 38-7 game in Columbus. What was that? Seven three at the half, or, or yeah. something like that. And eventually, oh. the wheels kind of come off the the defense uh, a little. You know, they've been they're on the field for so many plays. I, I kind of see a, a similar game is that you know Wisconsin hangs around for a half maybe three quarters in in this one because I do think they'll be able to move the ball better uh than they have in in some of these matchups in in the past um but uh night game in in Columbus I think Ohio State's 20 and 5 at home in in night games um and that I I don't trust Wisconsin's secondary right now to limit the big plays you know that's been another bugaboo for Wisconsin in, in this series um, as well as they played defensively, you, you go back to that 2019 Big Ten championship game. I forget the name of the tight end who makes that one-handed catch, pulls Ohio State with 21-14, I think it was, and then <laughs> then all hell breaks loose and, and they can just explode on you like that. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think you know eventually some of that big playability comes to fruition for for Ohio State, especially here at home. So. Uh, my, my prediction, I haven't published it yet, but I'll lean right now. I think, you know, Ohio State 30, Wisconsin 17, somewhere in there. Yeah, w- you and I are not far off. My interest is is really on how Wisconsin's run game does, controlling the clock, keeping Ohio State's offense off the field. I think if you can do that, Notre Dame was able to do that some. Once it got going, it, it got going. Um, last thing I'll ask from you is, could you put in a call to your boy Russell Wilson Tell him to get going. He's on one of my fantasy teams. I could really use him to to blow up. That would be nice. If I <laughs> I don't have any say in that. Um, I was uh, I I haven't seen the week two game, but the week one game that's not on him. That's on the coach. You brought the guy in there so he could kick a sixty three yard field goal or something. That that one. <laughs> he's yeah. uh, he's he, he's not at fault for that one. I, I didn't see what happened last week though. No, did he, not, did he not do well? 
he was fine. I think he's just getting used to a new team, new receivers. They didn't have Jerry Judy last week. You know, it's okay. It is it is what it is. It just cost me a fantasy game. It's not a big deal. Uh, no one needs to hear about that. But if you can put a word, word in for me, that would be that. I'll have to. I'll have to tweet at him. I'll see yeah. if he see if he responds. All right. You know. <laughs> All right, Evan. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I know you guys just got into Columbus. If you, those Akron, you if, Akron. I'm sitting oh, in Akron. In, you're up in Akron. All well, right. yeah, Wisconsin's got to commit up here, so I like to kill oh, well, two birds with one stone. Who are, you, who are you going to see? Uh, Colin Dixon, okay. wide receiver. He's in Talmadge. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, uh, enjoy that. If you're if you're looking for somebody to follow for for this game and for all Wisconsin's coverage, Evan Flood at underscore Evan or at Evan underscore Flood on Twitter. Give him a follow. All of our guys over at Badgers 247 do a great job. Evan, uh, enjoy it tonight, tomorrow. I'll try and come and stop by and see you in the press box um, before the game, halftime at some point. But uh, thanks again. I do really appreciate you coming on. The yeah, no, no, no problem. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Big thanks again to Evan for for popping on here. And in the Bucknuts happy hour, I thought he gave some some great insight into Wisconsin. and and kind of the, the expansiveness of this team, especially offensively. I, I think myself included, I just always fall back into the trap of, okay, Wisconsin, it's this run first power offense. And it still is. I, I don't think anyone would, would say they've gone away from what they do, but let's remember Grant Mertz was, was a highly recruited kid at quarterback and they've used him pretty well. And so I, I, I'll be, I will be very interested to see. I've watched all three of Wisconsin's games. I'll just be very interested to see it up close. Well, as up close as we get from our mile-high view in the press box tomorrow on kind of how they use the quarterback and, and the passing game. And, you know, obviously they're always dangerous on the play action. So that'll certainly be interesting. Um, again, this is the Bucknuts Happy Hour. If you are uh, able to, to grab a beverage, if you want to grab a beverage, please do cheers. We, we might have some other guests popping in here to the happy hour soon. If you have any questions about this game, about the Buckeye game, uh, feel free to throw them in the chat. If you're watching this live, we'll try and answer some of those throughout. Um, I know we've had a couple already that, that I'll try and get to here. Uh, the first one being from David asking about Parker Lewis, um, the kicker transfer from USC. This is similar. If you haven't paid attention, Parker Lewis transferred over from USC in the offseason. He has not been on the active roster. He's not listed on the roster, I should say, all season. Um, there, there's been some issues. Now, if you remember last summer, similar things with Palie Guillote. We'll just call him EA. It's easier that way. The linebacker, also from USC. Maybe the Buckeyes should uh, be a little bit wary about recruiting guys from USC because the transfer problems seem to be an issue. I was told in the during fall camp, that it did not sound good for Parker Lewis in terms of being eligible this year. I don't know what it is. I don't want to speculate on the reasons that, that, that he's not going to be eligible. It's, it's, you know, it's certainly a transfer thing. It's not anything beyond that similar with EA a year ago. Um, now that was fall camp. I will say that before the last game against Toledo, Parker Lewis was with the Buckeyes. He came out, he wasn't dressed. I mean, he had his, he had a Jersey on but he wasn't in pads or anything. He clearly wasn't going to play, but he was with the team, which I do think is interesting. 
Um, so, you know, no official update on that, but I do think it's interesting that he was with the team, but it, like I said, before the season, I was told that it didn't look great in terms of him being able to play for the Buckeyes this year. And, um, also David asked about assessing coach Knowles' defense at this point. Look, I've said it before. My whole thing with this defense was a getting better each week and doing the things that they're supposed to do. And, and I think I, and I've said it to anyone who's asked me so far this year, this defense, these players are doing the things that they are supposed to do on the field. And it's, it's sad that we got to the point the last two seasons where doing the basic things became difficult, running to the ball, tackling those type of things. You know, we, we can go into the scheme all we want with Jim Knowles' defense. And, and I like a lot of that, but I think the way you get this team with so much talent on the defensive side of the ball, and they do have talent. There's no doubt about that. They recruit as well as anybody in the country. And, and you can argue that maybe the defensive recruiting has fallen behind the offensive recruiting and this, that, and the other thing. But I think that you, you cannot argue that they have talent or enough talent to be better than they have been. And it's just getting the guys to do the things they're supposed to do. Now, I think some of that has to do with Jim Knowles and Perry Eliano and Tim Walton and the new coaching staff. I think some of it also was a wake-up call last year. You know, in 2020, you made it to the national championship game and you lost to arguably the best offense of all time in Alabama. So coming to that offense saying, yeah, we need to get way better on defense, especially coming off of a, a COVID season, you know, it's, it's harder to emphasize that with your players, I think. And so last year, you, you lost to Oregon. You lost to Michigan. You had two losses in the regular season. You clearly were not up to par defensively. And so you can grab those guys' attention and, uh, you know, really kind of metaphorically grab them by the collar and, and say, look, you need to, to improve in this way, this way, and this way. That's not coaching. That's just guys have to recognize those type of things. And, and I think they certainly did. We've got one of my buddies who's, uh, who's jumping in here. If, you're, if you are in the local Columbus scene, you should know Brandon Beam. He does a great job on 97.1 The Fan. He does the, the morning juice. Um, if, you're, if you're up early in the morning, then, uh, then I, I assume you're listening to him. And, and if you've listened the last couple of weeks, you've, uh, you, you will know our other guest, Timmy Hall, the Buckeye Show. So we, we've got two 97.1 The Fan guys in here. Boys, welcome in. How are we doing today? Brandon, you go first so we don't talk over each other. Patrick, good to see you. Tim, see you tomorrow morning at about midnight, Saturday evening into Sunday. What an honor to be on your show, man. Can't wait. All the great things we're going to be getting into. Yeah, well, I mean, I wake up early to get on your show all the time. so it's. I know you do. It's, it's, I'm staying up late to get on your show. Did you get a nap in? I did. About an hour and a half. It was fantastic. Tim, have you napped today? No, but I, I just want to tell you, Patrick, that one common man is very pissed off that I'm not able to play ping pong with him before the three o'clock start to the show. You could have played ping pong. That's what's going on here at the office right now. You this you better keep me only about 15 minutes so I can at least get a couple games. Gotta you gotta get him worked up so he can go and and, and do his craft. That's a little behind the scenes on, on how he gets worked up. Well, Tim, you tell sure me is. when you want to go. You hop off whenever you need to. I don't want to make any enemies over there at the fan. I love you guys too much. 
Um, oh no, I, I I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And you know, Beamer, that's a beautiful wall you've got behind your head. Almost looks kind of Schefter or Carpenter esque. Boy, must be nice. Minus the signed footballs and diplomas, uh, everything else is pretty good. I just want to know how much um, sanity you're saving Paul Keels today from not playing ping pong. Plenty, plenty. You know, it's. <laughs> I'm sure it's I'm sure it's very annoying, you know, but we keep we get in games. The new news is, Pat, there's a 1980s era air hockey table that just showed up. I don't know. I don't know what came of that, but we thought, you know, if ping pong isn't loud and annoying enough, let's put in an air hockey table that even when you're doing nothing sounds like this. Just a blower and a fan. Just yeah, let's let's get that. And then the. The puck just going up against the sidewalls. Yeah, let, let, let's make as much noise as humanly possible. It's closest to Matt Andrews' desk, all these games. So nice. that's who really wants to end things the most is Matt Andrews. I'll have to, I'll have to talk to Matty about that tomorrow. Um, maybe someday I'll get invited to the studio instead of just getting a phone call and you know we can I can get to see all this good stuff. But anytime in the 6 o'clock hour, Pat, you're welcome to come in. I'll have, to, I'll have to confirm with Bobby that he's he's allowing that to happen. Um, let's talk Buckeyes, though, so people don't get too confused about what, what we're doing here. Uh, I had a few things I wanted to talk about, but I was saving this question from Rick. Um, he asked, will Denzel Burke be game ready and focus this game? Look, we don't know. You know, we can't get inside Denzel's head. Obviously, he's had two rough games in a row. But, you know, what do you guys think about a cornerback needing to bounce back now, you're playing Wisconsin, a team we don't expect to throw the ball around the field, but obviously you have to be ready, which means you have to be focused because they could play action. They'll certainly throw the ball with Graham Mertz. We were talking about that earlier with Evan. Just just your guys' assessment, and Tim, I'll start with you, on, on Denzel these last couple games and kind of how, how he bounces back. Yeah, Pat and Beam, I, I do think this is an important factor for Ohio State's football team right now. You know, it's – it's interesting. It's almost like you got a little seven banks situation that is yeah. repeating itself where one year you figure like you feel like you have found the guy that's going to handle that number one cornerback position going into the next season. And Sean you're comfortable Wade. about that with, yeah, it, it just, without having a lot of stars on that defense last year, or a lot of guys that played really good football, Denzel Burke felt like one of the guys maybe in the you know top two or three players on that whole defense that you felt comfortable about going into this season. And honestly, like it, it doesn't take much. It does not take much for a cornerback to be exposed. I mean, it is such a very individualistic type of style of play that you have to be on top of to play that position well. And I, I feel like Jim Knowles has said the exact same comment two weeks in a row about him. If you could go back and listen, you know, Jim Knowles has spoken with the media on the same day, two day, two weeks in a row. And it's been like the same. I'm comfortable with Denzel Burke. That position is sort of played on an island. I almost like did a double take this week. Like that's that's the same thing you said about him last week. If it happens another time, then you really got to worry. And it also coincides with Jordan Hancock getting a little bit healthier because, you know, if you have a few weeks of poor play at Ohio State, if you got another young gun that you're excited about, you will get put in there and they'll just they'll want to see what you can do. But 
hopefully this is a time this week mentioning there's not a really deep threat for Wisconsin that scares you to death. And Graham Mertz, certainly we know he's a guy that can be capable of making some plays, but he hasn't been a consistent playmaker through his years at Wisconsin. So I don't know, Beam, I'm, I'm hoping Denzel Burke can go out there and have a big time performance on Saturday. And if not, he better start watching over his back a little bit. Yeah, I am too. I'm, I'm with you on that. The thing that I liken it to, I mean, I don't know how many people in here are Browns fans, but I mean, Denzel Ward was so good for Ohio State. He's been so good in the NFL. And all of a sudden you have a bad couple of games. And the, of course, the miscue last week against the Jets, like things can happen on the defensive side. And we saw it last week against the Rockets of Toledo, where there's that 50-50 jump ball, Hail Mary, that Daquan Finn just throws up for grabs. And Denzel gets beat on that, right? And it's like, oh, okay, well, this is something that we're not used to seeing and something that we're not used to uh, happening with Ohio State and especially with Denzel. And it's just such a funny position to play. Timmy, like you said, I mean, I guess your mind can be your best ally and your mind can be your worst enemy because if you start to get in that cycle where all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, I made these plays last year. What's happening? I'm not making these plays again this year. Am I losing a step? What's happening? Like all of a sudden you can kind of tailspin. And I just hope that the coaches and everybody uh, have, you know, kind of said that to Denzel this week because it's been hard to watch, honestly, through the last couple of weeks. I mean, this guy who's getting All-American status uh, coming into the year. You're hoping for the best for him. All right, he's going to be the shutdown corner. You don't need to worry about him in a pass game that's been – pretty bad over the last couple of years with Ohio State's defense. Um, but I, I think everything's going to work out. He's a young fellow. These things happen. And like you said, Tim, it's just such a hard position. Like, it doesn't take much to get beat by a lot if you're a cornerback. And I think we're seeing maybe a half step here, which is something that I think the Ohio State defense is fixed, like half step too late, half step too early. Either you're making the play or you're not. And for whatever reason, it hasn't clicked in for Denzel Burke, but – I've got the faith in this coaching staff, and I have the faith in that young man that he'll hopefully get it figured out, and I think the Wisconsin game is prime-time treatment for him to figure all those things out this weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, a couple things I think need to be pointed out. One, Denzel Burke had a couple nice plays last week, one that clearly showed up on TV when he celebrated afterwards and, and whatnot, and he's made some plays this year. They haven't been game-changing plays or, or whatnot. But I also think that, that a couple of these guys in the, the secondary have given up some big plays. Josh Proctor got pulled from a game because yeah. of that first play against Notre Dame. Cameron Brown got beat inside on a touchdown. Now, you'd, you'd have to ask what was going on there, but you know maybe he thought he had inside help. Maybe he read the, the play wrong. But you know I think this defense, and, and I think you guys put it well with cornerbacks, you know, you're on an island. When you make a mistake, everyone sees it. It's like an offensive lineman. When you make a mistake, the quarterback gets sacked. It's all on you. Why did you do that? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I, I think sometimes, especially if you're watching the game on TV, you don't notice when the guys do make a good play where the quarterback just doesn't even look that way because that guy's covered, right? So Denzel's played some good plays this year. It's, it's just been there have been these, you know, there's been a couple penalties. There's been the big plays a couple times. Um, but I think that kind of assessment can be put – Pretty much all around. Maybe Ronnie Hickman and Lathan Ransom have played the most mistake-free of the secondary. Um, yeah. And again, this isn't something that I think is going to be really tested against Wisconsin, but 
on the the odd times that they do, you know, take a shot or whatever. I think that's when you've got to be ready because if you fall asleep because they run the ball, you know, seven consecutive times or something like that. And I don't think this Wisconsin team is the Wisconsin team of, of several years ago when they really would just run, 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 run. But, you know, when they do decide to take a shot, you've got to be ready. And I think, you know, that can be a changing game changing type of play for Wisconsin. So I thought it was worth addressing these cornerbacks here. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on, and, and this is a thing that I know has come up a lot already this, this week and, and earlier this season we get an injury report, uh, uh, what do they call it, status report each week, right? And it's got the guys that are available or game time decisions. Last week, three guys didn't play that were not listed on the status report. And I'm just at a loss for what the point of the status report is. And I think if you're a fan and you wait, you know, two or three hours before the game to get this, to know who's playing, who's not. And, and I understand that, Ohio State's, you know, careful with injuries and all this stuff. But I want your guys' opinion because for me, you know, we put this information out. You guys talk about it on the on your guys' air. And then when it's wrong, you're like, what the hell? You know, what, what do you make, Beam, we'll start with you after starting with Tim first last time. What do you make of them putting out this status report and it's just not, frankly, not meaning anything? Well, I think the biggest thing is that if you go back and look at the injury report that – we're all familiar with, you know, an hour before the game or a couple hours before the game when NFL Sundays roll around. I mean, that's a betting tool. That's right. literally what it's used for. That's what it's designed for to give betters an idea of like, oh, this guy's questionable going into the game. Is he going to give it a go? Is he not going to give it a go? I don't think there's any rule in college that you have to send anything out about a player's availability or anything. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I can name the three guys that – you know, you were saying last week, it's like, oh, these guys are going to play or these guys are going to play. Like, I don't know how many plays that Jackson played last weekend. I know it wasn't a lot. I know that my call was cleared and he was good to go. And by my count, I don't know, maybe, maybe Pat, I'm wrong. I don't think he played any snaps. Uh, yeah, last weekend. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's just it's a weird thing. And but. Again, I mean, if you're cleared throughout the week, like I think it's something great that Ohio State is doing, like knowing you, the player, no, letting you know that the players that are available and whatnot. But I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen. First of all, I don't think I've ever seen Jim Harbaugh put out a depth chart that includes less than like nine quarterbacks. Uh, and I don't I, I mean, I just think it's pretty wild that there are no rules around uh, injury reports. And the fact that Ohio State puts it out, what is it, a couple hours before the game, a few hours um, it just doesn't make any sense. Maybe these guys were healthy and Ryan Day just said, you know what? It's Toledo. I feel pretty confident that we can win yeah. 77 to 21 yeah. uh, without these guys anyways. But I don't know. It, it, it's, it's really no, – I don't, I don't put much stock into those anyways. So unless, unless a player is literally is like, oh, this guy is out. Like questionable game time decision. I'm like, eh, okay. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, beam – Pat, this is this really is a fascinating topic. You know, I was I was just looking up while, while you were talking, Bean, because the story did was, uh, you know, neurons were firing, and that I've, we've heard about this before, and it was a few years ago, and I think this kind of semi started with Big Ten athletic directors as sports gambling was starting to become legalized everywhere, you know, other individual states, and now of course it's coming to Ohio start of the year. Big Ten athletic directors were some of the ones that were pushing to have 
mandatory injury reports right. in college football. But there's there's really I I do see it. Sometimes you say like, oh, pick a side in your argument, right, and stick to it. But I do see both sides on this one because if I'm you know picture we're part of a football program, right? We're not. We're not athletic enough to be, but yes, go ahead. We're not, but you know, we work, we work know. in the athletic department. We're kind of in like the decision-making process. Why is it our obligation to try to hook up people who are choosing to gamble their money? I don't, I don't care. That's, that's on you. I look at that as that's part of the risk of being a sports better. It's like you said, Beam, sometimes a guy breaks his leg or dislocates his kneecap. We understand he's out, tears his ACL, he's out. We know that. Sometimes you're nicked. Mike Hall Jr., he was nicked. He was bumped and bruised. We don't really know why. They're not really telling us. I understand the program, the football teams, they want to keep things a little bit under wraps because they want him to play through it. They don't want other teams having an advantage of an area to try to hit a little bit more on the player's body. I get that side. So I see both sides of that argument. But I I don't understand why we need to – you know, the, I guess their argument would be protecting the integrity of the game where they don't want programs withholding certain information. But but then if that's what you're saying, you're kind of a conspiracy theorist because you're really thinking that programs are withholding certain injury information and then sliding that over to betters to get an advantage because they're in on it. I mean, wow, like that's. These guys are making these guys that are in these programs. I mean, at least the coaches, they're handsomely paid. I mean, honestly, you go up and down with these assistant coaches, what they're pulling in a year. I don't know. Like, you got to really be out there to think on like Tim Donaghy type of situation there. I'm with you, Pat. It's a little frustrating. Why do we even have them? But let's just get to the damn games and play them and we'll see who's out there. It's like you, sh- you shouldn't be relying on those. Like it's the Bible, like if like what Beam said, we're putting them out only a couple hours before kickoff. Who really cares? We can see what the serious injuries are, what the ones where guys are going to try to manage throughout the season. But it, it is a it is a fascinating topic, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I I guess my thing with it is like if you're going to put out a report, put Make out it accurate. Yeah, right. Like you know, if you you know through Urban Meyer's tenure. And at the start of Ryan Day's tenure, they put out a depth chart and it didn't, it wasn't a signed contract that this is the guy who's going to start at every position. It was more of a, okay, here's what we're, here's how we look. And like, usually a guy, if a guy got added, it was notable. And so I thought that made more sense. You know, you could take a guy off a depth chart if he's injured. I thought that made more sense than then putting out this vague status report that sometimes is accurate and sometimes isn't. It just makes more speculation, I guess. And, you know, then people are questioning throughout the game, especially in a game like Toledo, where you get up big and and people care less about what's happening on the field. Okay, well, is Josh Proctor going to be back next week? Is Tanner McAllister going to be back next week? And and then they want to know throughout the week about Travion Henderson, but Ohio State doesn't talk about injuries, so we don't know anything throughout the week until we get this injury report, right? It just creates a mess for me. Fans speculate throughout the week. You know, like we saw Denzel Burke walk into the facility on Wednesday in the lobby while we were waiting for interviews to happen. And, you know, like it would be nice if we could just ask like, hey, what's up with Denzel? Why was he not out at practice? And, you know, maybe he just has class on Wednesdays and normally misses Wednesdays and came in a different door this week. But we can't ask that stuff because they won't answer it. 
and they won't say. Yeah. yeah. So let's be honest too. Even though the NFL has a very rigorous, you know, injury report, and you've got to update it throughout the week. How accurate is that one as well? How many times have we seen Tom Brady just live his whole life on the injury report and then go out? The Seahawks, didn't the Seahawks get fined and docked a draft pick for like misreporting the injury report a couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah. There's no perfect answer. I just think if you're Ohio State and you're making your own rules here, either don't do it or do it accurately. That's all I'm asking. That's why Tim should be in charge. He would run it right by the book. Because he also doesn't believe that the moon landing happened, and he is a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> That's its own podcast right there. I'm actually the one that is benefiting from these misfires on the injury report. I'm the one that they're feeding the information to. Ah, yeah. You I'm got them fooled, Timmy. I'm winning big in the offshore betting accounts before it's gone legal here in Ohio. So, You're feeding thanks. it to your guys and other thanks, states. Guys. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of the moon landing, but actually not at all, black uniforms, yay or nay? What do we think? It's fine because it's the Wisconsin game. I I, I think, you know, Beam, we used to talk about this, and you're shaking your head already, but we kind of came to a, a gentleman's agreement that you do not mess with the Michigan game. If anything, you do not mess with that game. Mm-hmm. Let that be the classic uniforms, the classic helmets. I'm okay. You get, you get one – maybe two chances in a 12-game regular season for me personally to go with an alternate uniform. We don't want to be Oregoning this thing or Marylanding this thing. couple of games, it's a night game, you want to do the blackout, I'm okay with it for this time. Yeah, um, I'll just preface this by saying I've been on this stance for – I'm a man, I'm 30. Uh, I've been on this stance since I've been five years old. Alternate uniforms are stupid for Ohio State. Uh, I, I do. And here's the thing. I can separate a good looking uniform from, I don't like a team wearing it. Like if you're going to wear a black uniform, I think these are good looking uniforms. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world that Ohio state wears an alternate uniform. They are so good. Bring back the gray on the sleeves, by the way. Um, I just, I hate it. I I hate the fact that they do it. I hate the fact that in 24, I, I think it was 2014 or maybe I don't remember the year, 2016, 17, whenever Ohio State and Michigan went to double overtime, that forever in the history books of that rivalry, I'm going to have to look at Curtis Samuel, arms wide open, in that stupid cannonball helmet. Yeah, It's like, no, it's dumb. Like, it's just – it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. I think they're a fine-looking uniform, um, but I don't understand your Ohio State. Like, And I asked Bob this earlier on the show this week. Everybody goes, oh, but it's a great recruiting tool. Like, yeah, it's – Sure. Like, that's fine to have Nike on board. And I saw that the team got LeBron, you know, beats headphones this week. It's like, yeah, what kid has literally come down to a 50-50 decision? It's like, well, Ohio State doesn't wear black alternate uniforms. Not going there. Like, I like tell me one person that has done that. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. Wear the silver bullet helmets. Wear your normal uniforms. I hate them. It's dumb. And apparently we can't say it's a blackout tomorrow at the Horseshoe. Because that brings a bad connotation. That I don't. You're drinking too much. That's what. Well, it means. I will be. Tim will be. You Wait, will be they, before the game, but you'll be fine. They they told us we can't say blackout. Yeah, it's a wear black game in quotes. Wear what, black. What's the what's the political thing that makes that bad? Blackout uh, powers out. 
Blackout has a has an alcoholic connotation. Oh, that kind of blackout. <laughs> well, everybody's going to be doing that anyway, so we're not even going to know. To be fair, that was not what Ohio State said. That was just kind of the general vibe of why they didn't want it. There was no actual like. This but they're wearing black at the horseshoe. Yep. What do you say, Pat, when people go and wear black somewhere? Like, we're going to blank this. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to black out a place, right? Well, Very dumb. Especially when you have the whiteout at Penn State. And when they've done it in the past, they've called it a blackout. Their own Twitter account put out a graphic. And under the caption of it was blackout the shoe or, you know, whatever, whatever phrase they were using. Blackout activated, I think is what it said. That's what it was. Boy, Um, life life is really funny when we, when we think of these kind of things straight. Oh boy, I don't, I don't know if we can say blackout guys. That, that just, that could be bad PR for us. I think of Timmy Hall on a Saturday night when I think of blackout. Right. I bet you would. Carpenter, Rothman. Two things on these uniforms. The first beam, you mentioned that Curtis Samuel touchdown. You'll also always see me in the uh, background there, right there next to where Curtis runs in the end zone. So More iconic photo, you in the background of that or Jeff Sabota with a very hungover Rob Gronkowski? Jeff with his glasses and his vest. Jeff for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's close probably just because of the iconic moment of that touchdown lifted me up. While Jeff brought down Gronk, I think is is how we, how we <laughs> um, the uniforms themselves. I don't actually care. I don't. I don't care what they do. If it helps a kid commit to Ohio State, great. I think you're right though. Beam, they're coming to Ohio State regardless of the uniforms. Look at Alabama. But I do like these, and I didn't think I would when they first started doing it. These uh, wear whatever color, if that's what we're going with as the theme. Uh, I like these games when they do that. It. it was noticeable to me when they did the scarlet out how much white i guess there is in the stadium normally or other colors besides scarlet red whatever you want to call it and then the blackout or the wear black is obviously i mean very different and it gives just a different feel they did it a couple years ago for a noon game i think it was against nebraska and even that game like it didn't have the same feel as a night game when it's dark out and whatnot but even that i thought just like it brought some energy you know it's a big game even if it's not a big time opponent, which it wasn't against that Nebraska team. And obviously as big of this, this game is as a big 10 opener, Wisconsin's not a ranked team. They lost a game already, but this is a, you know, th- it gives the big game feel when they tell you, you know, wear this color, let's, let's color out the stadium in, in something. So I do like that part of it. I could give a damn about the, the uniforms. Are there any feelings about copying Penn State's thing, though, with what the whiteout looks like? No, it's opposite color. No. If we were to white out the shoe, then yeah, maybe. But no, it's literally the opposite on the spectrum. Zero (laughs) percent. We did not rip them off at all. And I think, too, like this isn't just a Penn State thing. This happens in colleges and, and teams across the country where you wear a certain color, you know, be it wet one color across the whole stadium, stripes based on your section. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you see this in sports all the time. Um, you know, so no, I mean, I think Penn State has, has made a name for it in college football because they've done it consistently one game a year. But no, I'm with, I'm with you. You don't really get to own a color, <laughs> you don't get to own, you can't own a word, wear a color. 
like the you can't own that yeah yeah that you can do yeah that that is allowed somehow um all right let me get you both kind of out of here on this and i thank you both for taking time to do this today i know coming to the concert tonight pat so let's talk off air okay Uh, um but just your general feel for this game if you want to give a prediction on how you see it going just just how you feel like this game's gonna go um my our story's gonna go out i said before everybody got on i feel pretty comfortable about the buckeyes in this one i don't think this is a great wisconsin team but but brandon you start just your general vibes on this one yeah so it's weird i mean i think you can look at one team from the big 10 west really one team in the big 10 over the better part of the last 20 years and Outside of Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, your three kind of built-in rivals, I think Wisconsin is it in the conference. Uh, you look back at the early 2000s, they obviously had some great success. Now, since then, it's been a difficult road for them uh, with the Badgers. I, they're just built so different than Ohio State. And I think we had uh, Mike Bennett on earlier on in the week, former defensive lineman, All-American on that 2014 National Championship team. and Bieber. Yeah, that's right. Well, I didn't, you know, that's like low on the totem pole when you announce him uh, and what he's doing. Well, correct. Um, And he told me this when they went into that 2014 Big Ten championship game. He was like, they're just a bad matchup for us. Or like they match up poorly with us, I should say. Uh, And every time like they're a big physical team and they will impose their will on a lot of teams around the conference. And you've seen that already. And I, I'm shocked that they lost to Washington State with the style of game that they play. It's just – it's such a poor matchup for them year in, year out with the way that this team is designed at Ohio State. It's like, yeah, if you want to play bully ball, I think Ohio State can do that too. But, oh, yeah, they also have big-time athletes at every position. Um, and so he told me going into that game, he's like, it's just going to be a bloodbath. And then you flip on the TV and you watch that, and it's 59 to nothing. He said Melvin Gordon was out of that game in the first three plays. And he came off the sideline, and everybody was like, this game's over. And it ended up being that. Um, I've got confidence in this team to get it done against Wisconsin. I think I predicted on the show today 45-24, 45-21, somewhere in that area. It's just, And we didn't even get to talk about really the offense. I mean, CJ, where he was putting the ball last week was on a string. Uh, I know he wants that Cade Stover throwback, which Timmy and I got into on the postgame show last week. I uh, want that throwback for Cade. I wanted that throwback. I, You know what, Pat? I'm not a very athletic person. I'm pretty sure that I could make that throw. And CJ's about a million times the quarterback that I am. And I wanted that throwback for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, I just think CJ's too much. I think this offensive line is starting to gel a little bit. I think the running game situation is really good on the offense. And Braylon Allen, I think, is going to have a tough time finding yards because that run defense is nasty. Sure, you've given up chunk plays, but that's been on the passing front. If they force this ball into Mertz's hands, like I think it's going to happen, I think it might be a long night for the Badgers. Yeah, that's that's pretty good, Beam. The only thing I'll I'll layer on top of that is I'm still very fixated on Ohio State's defense and the kind of toughness it's going to take in this game to just relentlessly stuff the gaps and stop that ball carrier when he's that big of a dude. I mean, this is a horse. This is six foot two, six foot three, 240 pounds coming at you and behind a big offensive line. So it is going to be brutal. It is going to be physical. 
and it's not going to be you don't need to be thinking too much about finesse Buckeyes when winning this football game. This is going to be don't at don't you dare be any shade of that team that showed up in Ann Arbor. You this is the starting block as to proving that you are far away from that kind of team. And I'm I'm comfortable with with them doing it. I, I'm kind of with you, Beam. I just don't think Wisconsin is very talented this year across the board. They're always going to have a, a good heart and soul group of guys, and that'll that'll will them to you know. Paul Christ, leader win. of men. Leader That's of a guy men. who really gets everybody excited. Yeah. I mean, just super boring guy to listen to in press conferences. You Terrible. want that? You want a boring coach? Mel Tucker is boring. Christ is boring. Franklin's insane at Penn State, so you He's want that, right? But I, I feel like this is. 35-14 Ohio State, so a, a slim cover from me. Yeah, I, I, the only concern that I have, and I don't even know if concern is the right word, is Wisconsin takes the air out of the game and limits Ohio State's offensive possessions, and Ohio State doesn't score as much. Yeah, Tim, I'm very close to you. I think I did our predictions. If they're not already posted on the site, they will be soon. But I think I said like 35-10. Just because I think this offense is better than that. I just think they may only get like eight drives. You know, if, if I, if, if Ohio state can stop the run and force Wisconsin into three and outs, then you get more drives and this offense can, can strike quick and stuff like we saw last week. But if Wisconsin's able to, to grind it a little bit, and I think they might be able to, then I think you shorten the game and, you know, maybe I'll get home before two 30 in the morning and you guys. No chance, pal. All right. Um, Tim, if you got to go and play ping pong, go ahead. Brandon, I, we've got one last question for you. And I know this is a big one. Yakov asks, <laughs> what time do you go to bed in order to be up? See you, see you, Timmy. Goodbye, Tim. See you tomorrow evening. Bye, Pat. Bye, Beamer. Goodbye. Oh, he's there he goes. Um, Brandon, what time do you get up for 6 a.m. shows? You and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, let the listeners in just behind the scenes on – on your going to sleep time, getting up in the morning time. Yeah. So anytime Pat texts me past like 8, 8, 8 PM, uh, usually I don't respond. So you usually respond when I text you anytime. Well, that's true. Yeah. I'm an antisocial person anyways. Um, so it's usually between eight and nine is when I go to bed. Now I did stay up. I'll stay up for Sunday night football and Monday night football, Thursday night football, usually depending on the teams, depending on the games. Like if it's, your Rams, Pat, I'm probably going to bed because uh, I don't really care about them. And I don't think many people in Central Ohio care about them. To talk about that. Uh, I know that, but you don't want your Super Bowl champ. So who cares? But yeah, it's usually between eight and nine. And my alarm is set every morning for 345. So it's uh, it's it's awesome stuff. So whenever I text Pat to come on the show at 735 or 835, it's like pulling teeth because it's getting up early, um, which in my book is – like I said, it's happy hour for me right now. So I'm about to enjoy a, a few soda pops. I know I was drinking water. I'm hydrating. I'm doing the responsible thing uh, right now. But yeah, between eight and nine usually. So Tuesday and Wednesday during the football season are my weekend days because there's no football on. And I want to say this past Tuesday, I was in bed at 7.15 because I didn't have anything to watch. And I'm like, you know what? It's time for me to go to bed because I need to catch up on my sleep. I don't, I couldn't even go to bed that early if I tried. 
And uh, if you got up at three forty-five, Pat, I bet you'd be shocked. Well, I couldn't do that either. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how, you, how you do this, but uh, you do great work, and uh, I appreciate waking up to you guys every morning. Also appreciate you coming on. Thanks to Timmy. Thanks to uh, Evan, who was on before both you guys. Smart two four seven site. Again, if you if you're looking for Wisconsin coverage, they do a great job over there at Badgers two four seven. Beam. Thanks. Uh, again, hopefully this game doesn't go too late, so you know we can we can get out of there quicker and quicker. But uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I do appreciate you giving giving some time for the happy hour next week. Maybe grab a beer. All right. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I already had happy hour at Zaftig this morning, so I needed to hydrate before a big Friday night out on the town. Goodbye, Pat. All right. See you, Beam. And to uh, to everybody else who's who's watching live, appreciate you guys' comments, questions, all that. To uh, the people listening on the podcast afterwards, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps. Go over to Bucknuts. we got plenty of coverage from this week. And uh, subscribe to us, too. Bill Curlick does a great job with the recruiting stuff. We've got all your inside info, everything you could need. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Cheers. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.